0: Once a month, Steppenstone alumni will share
1: insights on their career journeys and provide career tips and guidance for Steppenstone scholars. This month's Career Corner episodes features Ebele Anidi, Director of Partnership and Engagement at the G20 Global Innovation Hub for Improving Value in Health. Be sure to listen to Ebele's story, which touches on his journey as an educator and student at John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health as well as his experiences as a consultant at the World Health Organization, FSG. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Abele Anidi. I'm, again, class of uh, 2002. Um, preferred pronouns are he, him. Uh, I am currently living in, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and I think we'll get to that later on in the conversation, but born and raised in Boston, Mass., grew up in Hyde Park, Um, and excited for today's conversation.
0: Beautiful. And what college did you go to?
1: I I did my undergraduate studies at Harvard University.
0: Great, and just enter the workforce. Where are you at right now?
1: My career has been a bit of like a circuitous route. I, in college, I focused on, and majored in the history of medicine and global health policy. I've always had a passion for health. Uh, at the same time, I think, you know, I went to Roxbury Latin School for middle school and high school, went to Harvard for undergrad, and I think I came to realize pretty early on that I was in a uniquely blessed and privileged position to have access to these amazing institutions, now historically white institutions. And I think for me and in my own upbringing of first-generation Asian american um, I came to realize that I, I wanted to do something or have some sort of role in, in shifting uh, the experiences of folks who are in my position. And I realized when I reflected on it that I hadn't really been taught by or seen many educators who look like me along my own um, educational journey. So after college, I actually joined the TFA Corps in Chicago. I was a middle school math teacher um, where I was, I think it may have been, the most transformative experience uh, to date in my life. Um, I I experienced firsthand just the range of like deeply entrenched systemic issues that mitigate the potential of of really all youth to to self-actualize and and achieve their full potential. And I think while I had experienced success within uh, the four walls of my classroom, I wanted to better understand and play an active role in addressing those systemic issues uh, outside of my classroom. And so I went on to do my master's in public health at the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health, um, Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health based in Baltimore uh, with an explicit focus on systems thinking and systems change. And, and that program fortunately opened up the door and an opportunity to work at the World Health Organization. I was, I started as an unpaid intern. They, they pay their <laughs> intern now I missed out on that. that <laughs> not part of it, part of the experience, but unpaid intern, and you know, I guess did just enough of uh, quality work to to garner an offer to come on as a consultant. So I worked as a consultant at the WHO first in Geneva and then remotely. Um, and I was focused on the Alliance for uh, Health Policy and Systems Research. And this this was really you know the the high level perspective of the entity in the world that sets the agenda for for health systems and sure. really sets the the mile marker for how Countries approach and think about the health and well being of their constituents and so but even there I felt a little too far removed from from people and in communities and so I I ultimately got the opportunity to, to shift towards a bit of a more focused um, perspective and, and, and form of work uh, when I joined FSG. Uh, FSG is a mission-driven consulting firm uh, supporting a diverse range of clientele to create more sustainable and equitable solutions to address some of the world's most pressing and and social challenges. So I spent five years working as a consultant versus an entry-level consultant all the way to being an associate director. And I ultimately took over and started to manage and nurture and build the systems thinking practice within FSG. And, you know, last but not least, and this was in late 2021, I I was presented this really unique opportunity to to join a new global health think tank. So I I currently sit within the G20 Global Innovation Hub for improving value in health. Uh, The group of 20 or G20, for anyone who doesn't know, is this intergovernmental forum comprised of 19 countries and the European Union, uh, and they work to address a range of issues uh, related to the global economy, such as financial stability, development, education, and health. And so the the hub where I work was established back in 2020, and I serve as the director of partnerships and engagement. So on the partnership side, I manage all of the hubs, private sector and academic um, and international organization partnerships. And then on the engagement side, I help to design and facilitate a lot of the different events that we host both in person and virtually. That's (laughs) so that's <laughs> you asked about my, my, my trajectory <laughs> that's and my crew
0: perfect <laughs>
1: it's a bit of a circuitous route but um it's been a journey and I think I again I've come to really appreciate that it's been just that a uh, a journey and something that wasn't necessarily a straight line that I could have predicted coming out of college.
0: Absolutely um and I think I I thank you for mentioning that it's not always going to be this very cookie cutter um path to whatever goal or idea of what the future might look like for ourselves especially when we do graduate from college and we you know might think we know exactly how our next 5 10 12 20 years is going to look out and then opportunities come in and we're and we start to learn more about ourselves and we're like wait I actually want to I want to try this out I want to try something new out um, or deviate from my my plan that I had before graduating yeah. Are there other things that you enjoy about the role that you have right now?
1: Yeah, I think when I think about my work portfolio, it falls under these like broad umbrellas that have always been areas of interest for me. Um, one is is bringing people together and and two is, you know, facilitating experiences. So you know in that first bucket, I would say that in my role when i think about partnerships or engagements my responsibility is really around like mutually beneficial relationships and connections it's it's, it's being able to both propose and and articulate where and how there is uh, an opportunity for something new to emerge from bringing two different sides together and i think i've always enjoyed doing that you know my family and relatives like you know they call me like the consummate diplomat or whatever it might be (laughs) you know and we have we in the in the age of COVID we my family and I we still have uh, regular family calls and I usually facilitate those conversations not that you need a facilitator but sometimes it's helpful Um, so I've always enjoyed playing that role and you know the, the reason I love the fact that it's called a hub you know hub and spoke model is about you know you have different nodes and the central node the central hub is supposed to be the connective tissue that draws that through line that brings people together, but also connects kind of disparate parts of the system. And then, you know, experiences, a lot of my time at FSG, when I look back on it, it, it was a really in-depth training in facilitation, uh, presentation and facilitation. And so with the, The change in the circumstances around COVID and and there being an increase now and more in person engagement and then opportunities to engage one on one. Some of the ways in which I'm designing different experiences, they're still virtual, right? And that presents its own opportunities and challenges, but I'm getting to also step into more of that proximate in person experience. Um, And so that's maybe an element when I first started this job that I missed was, you know, I used to design and facilitate trainings and workshops and. Uh, interactive sessions at FSG and I think you know that was pre-pandemic right and so uh, transitioning into this role I'm now having an increased opportunity as as different countries and folks open up to doing more in-person things and I'm hoping that those opportunities only increase over time.
0: It's really exciting to hear that these are things you're looking forward to and I'm sure that there are other scholars who are or alumni who might be on the same path and are really excited to even think about all of the possibilities that are out there for them to get involved in. Um, And speaking of which, uh, what tips might you have for scholars or alumni that are hoping to pursue a similar path? And I say that um, very loosely because like you said, paths are not very straightforward and they oftentimes have multiple adventures and paths within them. Um, But what would you, what tips might you have for someone who is interested in potentially experiencing the experience that you've had the opportunity to be a part of?
1: I would say, you know, be be proactive. Uh, there's something to be said around, and for anyone who's listening or who may have struggled with this in the past, I, I definitely have found myself getting in my own way at different points of mm-hmm. my um, professional journey, where I, I maybe had an interest in something, but I, I couldn't really put a name on it, or I couldn't really fully describe it. And so I was almost discouraged uh, or I was discouraging myself from pursuing it or seeking it out or finding it. And it's only now looking back at the different transition points in my career where I'm so grateful that I spent that time to look a little longer. And so, you know, when I think about the graduate school that I went to, I I remember a lot of the programs at, at schools of public health are around, you know, health policy and management. There are a number of those programs, but I knew I wanted something that was still health focused, but an explicit focus on systems, like systems thinking, systems design. I wanted to understand how I could put my mind around the the different complex and adaptive components that contribute to these really entrenched historical problems. And so, you know, I found the program at Hopkins, but it wasn't until kind of an in-depth search and, and efforts to reach out to folks and have those informational interviews. I don't think that ever goes away. For anyone who thinks that an informational interview is something you only have to do after college or when you're looking for your first <laughs> job. That's not the case. You can call it what you want, but it really is just the effort to be a little bit vulnerable and and, and direct and saying, hey, so-and-so, I, I saw this on your website or I saw your background, and I would just love to take, if you have the time, you know, 20 to 30 minutes just to talk about your experiences to see what I can learn about your journey and where I might um potentially have an opportunity to work with you or work in an organization similar to yours. And I think you, you'll you'll be pleasantly surprised at how many people enjoy sharing their experiences and and are actively looking to shed light on the work that they do and maybe encourage someone to either join them in their own profession or or to help them on their way. so many, so many of my decisions have been informed by uh, mentors along the way. I mean, I'm I'm blessed to have four older siblings, three of which are actually stepping stone <laughs> alums, um, and and they've been like my my mentor network since I was born. But at the same time, I've had a number of teachers and 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 mentors at work who who were invested in me and took the time to to support me. And that came out of again, proactively reaching out to them or taking the time to to kind of cultivate those relationships. It's part of the reason why I i am still very much invested in mentoring and coaching myself. So there are a number of consultants at FSG. I don't work there anymore, but I, I still have kind of monthly check-ins with a, with a four or five of them. And it's both in supporting their trajectory and progression at FSG, but also helping them to think about what comes after FSG or what, what else could they be doing? Um, so it's been, it is a degree to which where I don't know if I have a, a list of tips and tricks, but <laughs> there, I think folks will be presently surprised that, what they can learn and the different relationships that they can cultivate and build from just reaching out and and being, again, vulnerable and proactive simultaneously to say, I I know that there's something out there um, and I want to figure out what that is. And I think this person might be able to answer some of those questions because the world's a big place. And honestly, we don't know what we don't know. Uh, And I've just found myself to be pleasantly surprised along my own journey that sometimes just takes a little bit of extra effort and outreach to to find those answers that you didn't think existed.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And like you said, that vulnerability in relationship building is is very essential to one learning more about what's out there, because there's only so much that we in our own lives and in our own exposures are, are really aware of. And it's very possible that you might learn something about yourself or an opportunity that you could see yourself being from someone else that you took the time to really reach out to and connect with? Are there other ways of tangible relationship building pieces of advice or experiences that you might have for someone who is maybe hesitant of even reaching out or taking that first step or skeptical that someone might even reach back out to them?
1: And I've been in the seat so many times of crafting the cover letter and filling out the application and it is It can feel so much like a marathon and there's a there's a bit of endurance associated with this and so um I'll I'll offer just like a word of advice and then maybe get into the tips but the word of advice is just is to understand and and embrace that right because if you embrace that it's a marathon then you understand that it's it's not really a short-term thing and so you have to kind of build a a bit of
0: internal endurance that you might send out messages and you might reach out to folks and
1: they may not respond or if Mm -hmm. they respond it might be something that's non-committal like uh you know let's get back to you whatever but then again I guess it's a bit of faith and trust in that you're going to get those one or two who are like yeah sure and that just might be the one you know and I and I and I say that from experience of being again pleasantly surprised at what happens when you just put yourself out there and try? And I, it's uh, easier have been done. trust me, i'm I'm not saying that it is um, <laughs> incredibly easy, but you know there's something to be said around how you reach out, right? So yes, there's a LinkedIn message and it says, "Hey, can we connect?" But there are other ways of connecting with folks, right? Like so for instance, there's something to be said around where are you physically and approximately if if there I was just visiting family in d c recently, and you know, I'm not looking to leave my job anytime soon, but I've been really interested in this organization called the Global Opportunity Youth Network. And I, a, a mentor of mine connected me with their CEO, uh, Jamie McAuliffe. And I knew I was gonna be in DC uh, and Jamie lives in DC. And I thought, well, I'm gonna be in DC. I don't know if Jamie's gonna be around, but why don't I just shoot him a note saying, hey, you know, Jamie, are you free for a coffee? Would love to get to know you and a bit more about the Global Opportunity Youth Network. Again, I'm just thinking we can meet at Compass Coffee, catch up there. Let me know if you're free. Here are a few times and options where we can meet. Sure enough, you responded, said, "Yeah, I'm free on Tuesday. Let's meet at nine a.m. <laughs> it's a compass around the corner." And we had an hour-long conversation. But the point is, I do think the how you reach out and you know, lean into a bit of creativity in how you do it, right? So there's something to be said around. That was an example of one, identifying another means of connecting with Jamie where it was in person and, and potentially proximate to where he is. Two, I think a lot of people really appreciate when you just give them the options in advance, even if they're not available, they'll just respond as such. But if they don't have to think about it and they can just cross-reference their calendars, that's just like one step easier for them when they're super busy. Right. Um, and then again, I guess the, the last thing is just, yeah, it's 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 a marathon, not a sprint. So there's just a bit of endurance associated with with putting yourself out there and and trying out new techniques and and, and how you communicate and how you try to engage folks.
0: And for scholars or alumni that are now entering a new new role, um, do you have any advice on how to work with an employer or a supervisor or a team to maybe negotiate or even have experiences that might not otherwise have been put in front of you while in that role. And so how do you constantly advocate for yourself um, and also your your hopes in the role that you are that you are currently in? Yeah, that's a great question.
1: I <laughs> there's something to be said and it's not intended to be like a stepwise process, right? But there's something to be said around when you're entering a new job or any atmosphere, any new work environment taking the time to to learn the established like ecosystem and culture, Um, whether it's a week or two weeks, probably two to three weeks, like give yourself some grace, but be very, very intentional around having those coffee chats, having the formal and the informal discussions. Um, I mean, the most proximate experience that I had, obviously was at FSG before I joined, the hub it's I, so I think it's a better example than my, my current position and I still remember back in 2017 that those three weeks of identifying they actually had set it up for me that you know here's your firm assigned mentor and here's your firm assigned professional development lead and pretty early on I realized my mentor who I'm still really good friends with was going to be the, the person I turned to for like the real information on like what how does MSC really work mm-hmm. you know who's who um, where do the decisions get made? Who holds the power? what are the what are the key projects? how do i where do I sit within the ecosystem and how does it operate? And then I think pretty early on, I realized that there was a utility around expanding my group of mentors within the organization, but also understanding the difference between a mentor and a sponsor. And so there was something to be said around having this this, you know, La Familia folks that I could turn to within FSG who were my go-to for the the unwritten rules and regulations of what it mm-hmm. meant to operate and succeed in the organization. And then I had those formal channels in the form of my professional development lead was who I knew was gonna be receiving all of my performance reviews, but also gonna be the person in a position to advocate on my behalf when it came around conversations related to promotion, and additional responsibility and specific professional development opportunities. and so I was intentional and strategic about knowing exactly what role he was going to play, and positioning him to to serve in his role as a sponsor effectively. And so when I think about negotiating, it's it's again, taking the time to understand your ecosystem, identifying and cultivating those mentors who can provide that behind the door informal context and information that will help you to succeed, identifying who sits in those positions of power and authority who are gonna be making key decisions and how you can best cultivate relationship with them, but also doing so in a way that allows them to be in a position to serve as an advocate for you to the to the broader organization. And then I think while you're doing all of this or running in parallel, kind of think about what you want, right? Like the reality is, at any stage in in a job or in your career, even when you start, what are your goals? What are you hoping, not necessarily to accomplish, but how are you hoping to grow? Mm. You know, I I have a pretty regular exercise that I engage in, you know, in early January every year where I just kind of sit down, you know, take my journal and I think about just again, two to three really clear and concrete ways that I'm hoping to grow and that is something that you can bring into that conversation and with your professional development lead or whoever's in your PD. But it also can be the starting point for how you build out your key talking points around what you want to do. So, you know, my second or third year at FSG, I had already decided I wanted to grow in my capacity to be an expert facilitator. Mm-hmm. I wanted to grow in my understanding of how I could support historically marginalized communities. In understanding and playing a role in systems change. So when I was like meeting with the consultant case um, manager, and she was telling me like, you know, here are the different options. I was like, look, Sarah, this is what <laughs> I want to do, mm-hmm. and how I'm hoping to grow. What projects and cases would would best position me to do that? When I was talking to my my professional development lead, same thing. Hey, these are the goals that I'm striving to to achieve this year. This is how I'm hoping to grow. Um, As we work together and review my performance across these cases, I want to use this as a reference point for how we're thinking about my growth over the course of the year. Um, So again, it's, you know, once you get a lay of the land and you have that internal support system that you've built and you've cultivated, make sure that they're also aware of the ways in which you're hoping to grow and make sure they're positioned enough to support you in actually pursuing and accelerating that growth.
0: That that actually concludes our, our Q and A session. Um, are there any parting words of wisdom that you might have for anyone that can be listening in, or, or anything that you hope to maybe share before we we close out?
1: Uh, I don't know if it, it'll be considered parting words of wisdom. That feels like a lot of pressure. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm just glad that this is something that Stepping Stone's investing in. As I said, Stepping Stone's been part of my family for a very, very long time. Um, still get the occasional message from Kelly Glue. I don't know how she keeps tabs on everyone the way that she does, but- It's, it's incredible. Um, and I, it's, it's, I'm really, really proud um, to be associated with something soon. I think, you know, it's such a beautiful legacy uh, that Michael Danziger started. And, and I think there's something to be said around whether you're a current member uh, of Stepping Stone um, or an alum, you're going to forever be connected to this community. And and you just touched on that um, earlier. And so if there's any kind of last note here, I would just reinforce that um, it is special and unique to be part of the Stepping Stone community. And I think we all know, whether you're younger or older, that being, being a part of different networks and community, it's not something that everyone has access to um and so there is something to be said around making note of where you are making note of the different communities that you're a part of and making note of the opportunity that you have to to leverage those networks to leverage those communities and, and don't think of it as transactional
0: mm-hmm. there's something
1: to be said around thinking about it more in terms of well if someone were to reach out to you how would you respond
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you know you know like do we you connected me with a stepping stone um, scholar who wants to learn more about my
0: journey and my work. And I was excited to share and I'm excited to connect with her later on in, in
1: a few weeks. And so there's just something to be said around again, taking some time to pause and reflect on on where you are and, and what communities and networks you already have access to. You know, networks seem so formal, but a family is a network. Your, your sports team is a network. Th- mm-hmm. These are the people in your life who you can always um, connect with and reach out to when you're when you're feeling a bit stuck and unclear uh, about your next move. Um, and you know, maybe I'm just uh, aggressively optimistic, so to speak, but I do think that there's there's something to be said around being pleasantly surprised um, when you take the time to reach out and and hear back from folks and and how that can really influence the decisions that you make and set you on a really interesting journey that you may not have predicted.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for taking the time out of your, I know, very busy schedule to, to join us and speak with us. And we, we can't wait um, for, for everyone to listen in and hear your story. Thank you so much for the invite. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you.